how hard did you push it till I black out? Yes. Numerous times, yes. Happening municipals, this is Big C. No Ashton this week, but we do have a couple special guests with us. Uh, first off, we've got my man JP Joel, suck my par on Instagram, very, very good buddy uh, of the podcast and a municipal in his own right. We also have the owner, creator, mastermind behind Matchstick Golf, Dane Delgado. How you doing, fellas? Doing well. Yeah, doing, doing well, great. Chris. Thanks for having us out. Yeah, glad you guys both could come on. Um, we're going to put JP on a little side burner for a quick minute. And uh, Dane, so Matchstick Golf, one of our new sponsors and title sponsor for the podcast. We are very excited to have you guys join on. Um, give us a little info. How, how did the... Uh, the entire company, the idea, everything come come about. Yeah, thanks for having me on, man. I, I really appreciate it. Obviously, I think Municipal is doing really great things, not just with the podcast, but everything you guys put together. It's just, it's perfect. I think our our partnership like works out great, just because you know, chill dudes doing good stuff in golf. And I, I love that, and that that kind of like that's my whole vibe too. Um, you know, the the company is uh, custom golf ball, you know marker designer and it really came out of everybody wants to have something cool you know you got ryan lynn golf with you know all all the all the communicated stuff with their cool head covers everybody's you know getting the cool towels and the cool polos and everybody wants to have something personal out there on the course and ball markers for me was always something special because one it's something that's relatively cheap you could buy them um you know you can kind of collect them i was already um an enamel collector if you look over to my you know on the right side of my desk here i have two big things with you know enamel pins my, my grandfather's enamel co- collector uh so it's sort of kind of like a family thing and um it's just like a fun little thing to have out on the course another little extra added thing that wasn't super expensive you know because we all know golf can be um, expensive. The more you rack it up, and the, the more you you deck out your your bag or whatever. So, I'd always had a couple cool ones, and my favorite was actually this one I had from Jones, which is a company here in Portland. Uh, you know, Jones Sports Company. They make great bags, and it was the shuttlecock, right, from badminton. And of course, another name for that is birdie, which is perfect. I love that little play. That was funny. I liked the design. I also really liked just how it functionally worked in the course. It was the right thickness. It was the right weight in my hand. Um, for me, I didn't really want something that was, um, you know, thin as a quarter or just one from, you know, some round one from a, a course, even though I do collect those. I, I went on a, a couple golf trips this year and I've just like every single time I, I buy them, I'm, I'm, I'm buying ball markers everywhere. Um, but, you know, I wanted something that's like speaks to me. And so I love that one. And, and, and it was also, you know, there's a lot of really thick ones out there, like, you know, really heavy people use, you know, poker chips or, you know, CNC milled ones. And the problem I kept having was those just kind of like looked to my eye a little bit big on a green or also in my pocket. Like I, I had a couple of the big ones, a couple of the expensive ones for a little while trying those out. And I was just like terrified of losing them, <laughs> terrified they were going to like bounce out of my pocket. Like the one time I rode a cart that year, you know, because it's bouncing up and down and it's really heavy. It's got a lot of inertia. So 
I just wanted something that was thin and playable. And also, you know, if you, your part, playing partner mishits a putt or something, it's going to roll out over the top of it. It's not going to bounce off of it or something. He's not going to be mad. And this Jones one was perfect. And then what happened? I lost it. I lost it on my home course, walking between 17 and 18 on Glenny West here in Portland. Who knows what happened? I had missed a putt on 17, so maybe I didn't. I was like frustrated, didn't put my hand in my pocket. I lose it. And it's so cool, nobody turns it into the clubhouse, right? It's too cool to do that. It's definitely on the green somewhere. Somebody has that. So I'm looking for a ball marker. I test some out. I can't find it. And I think, you know, I love to art, to, to, to do art. Like I, I was a, an artist as a kid. Um, I really moved into like a, a you know, a, a video medium as I got older, but I've always liked to draw and do stuff. And I had ideas that I thought would be cool and not just like, that would be a cool thing on the green, but like the birdie, it would be a joke or a little inside thing, a little nod to something in golf. I had some ideas. So I thought, how hard could it be to draw some up and get those made and start a little company? And so that really started maybe a couple of years ago, like that, that, that seed was planted. And now probably, let's see here, it's uh, September now. So probably, probably around January or February, I really started drawing them in earnest and putting it together, writing a business plan, seeing what I could do, testing names, all, all the stuff you do to make a small little business that you, you know, I mean, Essentially, at this point in time, Mashik has run out of my house. It's it's not a big company. It's it's just me. Um, and I had a couple good ideas that I thought would work well. I found a way to manufacture them. I, I, I thought I had a great idea to package them. Uh, the name Matchstick is really a play itself off of, um, if you look at our logo, it's obviously it's a golf flag. So a Matchstick could refer to two things. It's, it's however kind of you want to interpret it. One, if you're playing in match play, what what wins you matches and it's your putter and a marker i think has not just isn't just mark your ball but also a lot of us use those to to line up your putts i, I certainly do and so it's part of this whole process of winning a match of playing competitive golf we're playing competitive golf just in your regular foursome right and so i thought that really played well and the same thing with the flag is a match stick you know, you're playing for this one this one goal. The hole and the stick on the green is your goal to win that match. And that's really important. So I thought those two things kind of blended together. I thought it was a great name. And I love the idea of having it be something that comes in a really cool package. I mean, our packages are actual uh, actual matchboxes that I, I take all the matches out when I get them and throw them away because I can't ship matches across the, the country uh, or put them in the airplane. Um, but uh, so I put, you know, I put, we have a little sticker on, on the piece of foam in there that shows you what the matches that used to be in there look like. And I think it's a really cool packaging. And I just thought there was something missing between you know, these really super high-end CNC milled markers that are 75 or $100 or something to buy, or even more so if you have to buy them on eBay secondhand or something. Um, and these sort of, you know, fun ones or whatever that are made of enamel, but maybe the presentation isn't as fun or the designs aren't as well thought out or, you know, sometimes you see stuff and you just think, well, I could maybe do that a little bit better or, or I just have ideas that are cool for that. And that's really what it came down to. You know, the core tenet of Matchstick is that um, I would love it if our customers like our product, but every single one is something that I want to play. It's a design that I love. 
as a as a person as me dane and if people want to play him that's cool uh that's great I, some of them have been really popular some of them not so much i still think every design we have is really cool <laughs> i still think they're really cool so, yeah that's that's where i would interject because yeah so when we came on the first thing you did was give me kind of a complete pack of every single one that you have you have made to this point the one thing I've always loved about him, and I know JP is being an ambassador for you as well, would say the size of them is no larger than a coin. The thickness is about the half half thickness of of your standard quarter, and it, it's kind of the perfect you know piece to have. And for any of us that are Sugarloaf fans, you know Buck Club fans, Malvin fans. Any any of those kind of more boutique style, you know, golf. This is kind of what you want to pull out of your Jones bag, and you want to pull out of your McKenzie bag. It's it goes along with those those trends as well. So, we're really excited to have you on and have Matchstick partnered with us and Municipals. And keep an eye out, guys. There might be a collab coming between uh, Municipals and Dane. Get something there. So, we'll 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 see what happens there. But big thing we want to talk about tonight is going to be portland golf scene and a little fun thing that we've been doing since for about two weeks now we're going into our third week of it uh actually on my 31st 30 wow 31st 34th birthday uh for muni madness out at wildwood so you know pretty exciting it's been a good time both of you guys have been out for both of the muni madnesses so far what has been your takeaways here? We'll start out with JP on this. Man, first of all, again, Chris, thanks so much for having me on. I am a, I'm such a fan of Muni Madness. It was like, obviously, I'm a, I'm newer to the golf scene um, in general, but especially, obviously, Portland golf and um, everything that's been just developing in the last year, especially with through COVID and, and all the craziness that we've experienced as a community. Um, it's been really rad to just kind of see how things have developed, but with Muni madness, it's like, it jumped on the scene really quick and, uh, and it, it kind of delivers this different experience. You know, you got five, six, seven dudes all teeing off at the same time. Um, it's just a mad dash to get a birdie is what it feels like. Um, and just seeing the, you know, the train of carts rolling down the hill and uh, just the energy, uh, it's a, it's a different take on golf because, it can also, and I'm sure a lot of you, like you guys can relate to this, like it can be stressful. Um, golf can, golf can have some layers of stress or some, even some anxiety, especially for newer golfers, um, or guys that don't feel like they're all that good. Um, and being able to be in an environment that's carefree and offers you opportunities to hit shots, but also opportunities to, um, to get some cash from your buddies and, and, and just have a good time in a relaxed, you know, situation. It's, it's special. And I think it, it adds something and an element to, um, especially like a local golf scene, um, that you just, that you just wouldn't normally get. And I think it's super inclusive and inviting for, for people. And for me, that's what's been the draw is just like the energy is fun. Um, the vibes are good. You got music blaring. Um, it's just a good time. So, yeah, I, I have to really echo that part about sometimes I think we get in these rhythms with golf about what it is for you. You're grinding, you're trying to get better. You're trying to play in tournaments. You're trying to play your friends, be better, whatever you, your goal is, lower your handicap, you know, as the season ends. This really, you know, when you invited me out, Chris, I thought this could be cool, but I also don't really know because 
it's 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 so disparate from what we're used to as golfers that I don't know what it's going to be like. Is it going to be a, compl- a complete madness? Am I going to know people? Are they going to be friendly? Is it going to be super competitive? What's it going to be like? And if you listeners are listening now, want to understand what this is like, it's 30 or 40 people all in carts, music blaring. Chris gives you a bunch of instructions. They're really easy to follow. Basically, birdies are the only thing that matters. Uh, you can mess with people. You can't stand in their line or you can't touch them, but you can stand in their line. You can yell at them to try to miss their birdie putt. There's uh, pools for what? Uh, you get hole in one. There's skins. And there's also whoever gets, uh, there's KP prizes. There's, and then also whoever gets a birdie, if they're, they're alone in that, that hole, they get a dollar from everybody there. It's super fun. And here's the thing that I love. It's actually, JP, time back into my regular golf game. No practice swings. And I don't take practice swings normally either. Wedges. I take practice swings with wedges a little bit. But normally I don't take practice swings. But I will stand over the ball. But if I don't have a reason to take practice swing or think about it, and there's 40 dudes just standing there being like, what are you doing? Yeah. I don't, I'm not thinking about it either. I'm just standing yeah. there. I'm just going, I'm hitting as basically as fast as I can. I mean, that, that rushing. Yeah, I'm hitting a golf yep. shot. Here we go. Yep. And I'm kicking ass at these things. I, I haven't won anything because we got some ringers with putting out here lately. We, I, I'm hoping Seriously. next Monday for Chris's birthday that uh, uh, maybe I win some cash finally. But uh, I've had, had some opportunities for those birdie putts. But, man, it is so much more fun than I even thought it was going to be. It's just like com- it's a complete reset. Well, I'm still experiencing golf, but it's a complete reset. And, man, it's a blast. I, I can't wait to just, like, hit up every single one of these things. It just like sets you free. Totally. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, I think that's my main goal with bringing events like that to, you know, greater Portland and also soon to be brought to the Bay Area as well. When we start launching that in the spring, we're just trying to figure out a little bit of details out there with courses between Jack and Ashton. So guys, anybody out in the Bay Area, keep an eye out for that. But with Muni Madness, it's it's just to get people together in a loose, you know, environment that's not going to, you know, put any stress or any, um, you know, hindrance on people of any ability to come out and play. There's no hole over 150 yards. Most holes are going to be between 130 and 80. And, and it's just anybody that can, that can swing a golf club and make a little bit of contact can actually get lucky out there too which I think it's the coolest part about it. And the one thing that was cool to see in the last one is some people bringing out their girlfriends, significant others and stuff uh, on the, uh, on the trip as well. Cause that's always fun. You know, the one time experience that I had out at, uh, at Coos when we did Muni madness out there, um, a lot of people had their girlfriends collecting the cash when they were winning uh, the whip outs, which I thought was a great way of doing it too. So, you know, it, it's a family environment, even if you wanted to bring your kids out and your kids want to hang out in the cart, you know, a- anything like that, it's completely open. There is no hindrance for people to, to make their way out there. So we're going to be doing this through uh, the end of fall. September 27th is going to be the last time that we're going to do it just because of daylight. We got to do it at the end of a day on Mondays. So we're going to start it again in spring um hopefully it'll be out at wildwood where we'll uh be dealing with the details with that in the uh interim but 
no matter what, I'm going to be keeping, keeping Muni Madness going and uh, and keeping the uh, the community together here in Portland. What's up, Dane? Maybe you've already covered this on this podcast, but I just have missed it. Can you explain how this came about and how the rules came about specifically? Because obviously yeah. getting people out for a, um, an event like this is kind of common, but how it works and then how the rules sort of cult, like cultivate the vibe for it is, I think, really integral. And I, I'd be curious to know how you get it because I love it. So it's like, it's great. I, I can't take any credit for this. Um, so... Basically, an impromptu uh, golf trip. Uh, I, I came across this. Me, you know, we talked about this in a in a past podcast, but uh, in in our Coos podcast. But the cool thing was, me and Ashton were planning on doing a trip up I five when me and my wife moved back to Portland about three and a half four months ago. Um, our trip basically. Uh, our trip basically was planned, ready to go, complete. We had everything, everything to go. And then I started getting in a conversation through DMs with uh, Andre, who runs Coos Golf Club, which JP actually had the pleasure of going out there and playing some golf with him and his son. Love that guy. Love that guy. Great, great individual. And so the more we talked about it, the more he basically you know kept adding more and more things to to the itinerary of of what we were going to have planned and so he had a dinner set up with his brother brother paulo at the uh the putting course out at uh bandon when we played a couple matches out there so he met up with us a day day ahead of time drove all the way out there took us out to dinner bought us dinner Next day had us come out to to Coos and play around. And then that night we had Muni Madness. And me and Ashton had no clue what Muni Madness was. So he he tried to explain it a little bit to us. And you know, we got the gist. So basically the rules were created by a caddy that's at Bandon Dunes. They started doing this in Southern California originally. He moved up to Bandon, started caddying in Bandon, and they brought it to Coos and started doing it regularly at Coos with a bunch of Bandon caddies. So when we played at Coos, it was 95% Bandon caddies. I think the only people outside of Bandon caddies were there's an ex-police officer and, uh, you know, Andre, his brother, me and Ashton. So everybody else worked at worked at Bandon. And that's actually where we met Chris and you can listen to, to the podcast we did with Chris, one of the female caddies out at Bandon. And so he explained to us, Muni Madness was a par three course set up on a full length golf course that basically had skins, hole in one pot and uh, something called whip outs. Whip outs were basically anybody that got a single birdie on a hole everybody paid them a dollar. If anybody else tied them with a birdie, it all cancels out. You move to the next hole and you play all as one. So you set up a tee box. It's wide enough where four to five people can hit at a time. And it sounded crazy to me. We went out and played. It was the best fucking time I've ever had in my life. After we finished Muni Madness, we headed up to hole seven and played a 860 yard hole to the 18th green. 
I mean, it, he just had the best stuff set up. And so once I found out about Meanie Madness, I had to bring it into my, you know, repertoire and kind of add it to the events that I had, you know, a grand plan for. So with, you know, putting Meanie Madness in here in Pacific Northwest and having the gracious host of Ryan and, and Wildwood with that, we then added uh, a match play bracket, which we got 32 people to join in on within a less than 48 hour time frame. So fast. And then we also have our modern golden age invitational that's going to be coming up next April, um, which you two both will be graciously invited to as well. And hopefully you guys can make it out for that. So, you know, that's, it's just something that, that the municipals have been talking about and something that we've wanted to implement to the communities that we are in. And when we do further travels and the more that municipals grow, I would love to plan Muni Madnesses in our trip repertoire as well. So when we go in and do our trip in Colorado, which we're hoping to, to get on the books here soon, and you know a few of these other trips that we do, I would love to find a course and maybe a PGA professional that might work at a public course that wants to help me organize it and run it and and get it going. Because I think it's just a fun thing. That is something that I think I would love to have tied to the municipalities for here on out. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really great, man. I, we're, we're before this podcast started, we're talking about, Oh, where are we playing this weekend and stuff? And of course I would look forward to a regular full round of 18 holes golf, but, I'm really looking forward to Monday too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's always, it's always a good time. And, and again, I'm very appreciative of Wildwood and, and them being so generous and, and such a hospitable um, place to do it. So, yep. you know, really stoked on that. But one thing I wanted to talk to you guys about and something that I think I struggled with a little bit when I moved here and what I kind of found out a little bit about, you know, through COVID when me and my wife, moved back to portland for a short time and i was playing five six rounds a day uh, a week a day um a day i was actually almost playing 36 a day for like four days a week uh, it was mm. it was absurd and so the portland golf scene and i think it's one thing that i i've noticed is in the last year and a half there's a lot of people joining in and it's becoming a more expansive community but before I left for the Bay Area, it was almost non-existent out here. It was a very tough scene, hard, kind of hard to find. There was little niches everywhere, but I don't think I necessarily saw a community all on its own. So, JP, Dane, how long have you have you lived in Portland, the greater Portland area your whole life? Not my whole I, – I moved to uh, Charlotte and Seattle for – various years but for the most part i've lived here or in in the valley within 40 minutes okay. of portland yep and then jp you're you've lived here in, in oregon city area yep almost 30 years so so i mean you guys have grown up here how long have you both been playing golf i've played i mean i played off and on a little bit as a kid um but to, i mean i tell people i've been playing golf for coming up on two years Okay. Yeah, I, I'm I'm the same. I played it as a kid, played nine holes, you know, hey, make a big 
putting swing with this nine iron or whatever and uh, randomly play without understanding what I was doing in in high school and then again in college. Uh, I really picked it up again in 2016, but I didn't take a lesson until, again, three years ago, something like that. So actually understanding what I'm doing, yeah, uh, uh, three or four years really, you know, strongly. And, and I think that's – both of you guys saying that you haven't been in the golf scene more than, you know, three or four years at this point, I think that's a big, tell you know, telling sign of what the golf scene has become here in Portland. And there's a giant youth movement I've noticed here in Portland because it kind of was an old man, stuffy, crusty-ass old man golf type situation out here. And you still see it. And we've talked about it in other podcasts where, you know, I, I've roasted Heron Lakes for their, for their uh, starters, those guys. And it's notorious. I mean, you guys are shaking your heads and smiling and laughing at me. But you guys can <laughs> no, even see it. No, yeah, we know. Yeah, no, we know. Yeah. And, and so the starters at Heron Lakes are just crusty-ass old men that have nothing better to do but, like, yell at fucking people all day for no fucking reason. And so, you know, that's something I, I can't stand. But I think people are not taking it, and we're, we're figuring out the places that we fit in. Right. And so I myself don't give Heron Lakes a lot of my money or time just just for that for that aspect. And I choose to play, you know, and some people think they're a little old and crusty as well at Rose City. But to be honest, I like their cut and dry mentality out there. You go in, you pay your shit. They don't want to talk and have a conversation and you get your fucking cart and you go. It's just like, it's just cut and dry. There's nothing about it. And and the guys are good to go there. Which is fine. Uh, That's that is how it should yeah. be. You're, you're you're there to make the trains run on time, not be some weird hall monitor. Which is what a starter is because they don't really have any power. I paid sixty bucks to be here. You can't tell me not to go, especially because it's four twenty-five. My tea time's not till four thirty. So stop freaking out, man. <laughs> you know, which yeah. is exactly what happened to Heron Lakes when we played there on Sunday. <laughs> or, uh, oh, are you with this group? Yeah. Is it our tea time yet? No, but you guys start soon. Good. That's why I'm standing right next to you. <laughs> yeah, it, it's the, I, I've had many issues, and we've talked about it in past podcasts. So anybody that wants to hear my takes on Heron Lakes can definitely do that. I but, would I would interject something though. Like I do think that there's while while I would agree there is in especially in Portland um, there has kind of been an old stuffy kind of energy uh, in the golf scene. I'm finding that I think, and I always just try to give people the benefit benefit of the doubt, but I feel like, you know, you got to imagine like some of these old stuffy dudes who've been in the scene for 30 years out here, who now over the last two years have seen more golf rounds than ever played on any of their courses in the history of their course because of how much golf has blown up in the last two years. And I think there's something to be said about that. Like, you know, if I, in our in all of our own industries you know whether we you know work in golf or not there's always going to be those people that come into your industry they don't know what the heck they're doing and they act like maybe they do or they can they they can keep up when they really can't and that's where i think public golf needs needs people like municipals they need approachable brands like matchstick they need people they need opportunities to be able to at least 
get involved to some extent to then kind of learn and understand the game and, and learn where their where their place is, whether that's at the local muni or they end up getting a country club membership or whatever. Um, finding our own place and like you you were alluding to that a little bit ago is i think that's for me especially being a newer golfer um i try to give those guys you know i just try not to like mess with them too hard because i understand that their jobs are probably a little bit difficult with the influx of new golfers that don't know the rules and don't know the regulations um but also just because like i'm a new golfer myself i would consider you know consider myself to be anyways and I want to make sure that I'm like, you know, at least putting my best foot forward. So it, it can be, it can kind of go both ways, but this Portland golf scene and what you were saying about the youth movement facts. Yeah. And there's, there's definitely uh, just to, 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 I think that's a, that's a good point to make JP because think about how we've, we've golfed uh, twice this year with, you know, two guys and then two other guys got paired up with us that were brand, brand new COVID golfers, which I, I was, I can't believe, Oh my, Oh my God, you're actually guys who started during COVID. This is crazy. And they were good, right? You know, they, they got the bug, they're bit, they're practicing all the time. They're shooting a hundred. It's like, you've been playing golf for nine months and like, you haven't gone to lessons. You're shooting a hundred. That's really good, man. Congratulations. But I've also been hit into as many times, way more times this year. I mean, I played Wildwood two Sundays ago. I got hit into on the first tee. <laughs> we were standing in the landing zone we got hit into. And so there probably is as adding this hassle of guys who don't know what to do. And there are some rules in golf. Some stuff is stuff that needs to be put away with. But some rules in golf are there for a reason. Keep people safe or to keep the course running or to make it so that people aren't playing six-hour rounds. And so obviously there's a give and take there. So you know they're there for a reason. They, they have a reason to exist. So you're probably right, JP. They, they probably have had a harder time this year. Maybe they do deserve a little bit more of the doubt. But uh, yeah, I think the scene is generally shifting to be more fun. And things like Meaning Madness is definitely contributing to that. Yeah, so my whole thing, though, and, and with uh, the old man usher um, or starter or whatever you would like to call them, my thing is I, I think we need to do a better job, especially in, in probably on all aspects, on ushering these new golfers into the world because I've seen it for a guy that's played pretty consistently maybe dropped off a few years here and there through his life where i've played since i was nine gonna be 34 here in a few few days you know it i've seen the the eps and flows of the golf industry and people coming in falling off coming back and and then you know falling out of love with it again and it's because of the lack of openness and the lack of wanting to usher these people in and, and teach them the proper ways instead of just yelling at them for them not knowing it there, there's no book that is given to somebody when they decide to play golf on the rules and etiquette of golf and there's a lot of fucking rules and etiquette in golf like a fucking lot of them totally. and so it's it's one of those things where you know you really have to you know, figure that out and kind of, I think it's on all levels. And I think that's one thing we're trying to do, you know, as the podcast is try to help introduce that where I've always said to any listener, if they, if they hit us up, send us a DM or anything like that, I'd be the first one to send them, you know, uh, etiquette, you know, list with a ball marker from you guys, a divot tool, 
you know, a whole little package, a starter pack to kind of get you going and learning the proper ways of approaching golf and getting out there and playing a full 18, playing a proper nine. So those are just things I think just need to be done better instead of, you know, yelling at people and, you know, pissing them off and making people feel unwelcome. Yeah. I think not, that's not creating that thing. hostile environment, right? I mean, they're literally the starter, right? They're the first thing yeah. you see as you start. That's not really fun when you're sitting there and it's, you know, you, you walk up and the guy's like, you know, you're up. It's like, all right. Yeah, I got it. I, I, I think I have to give a, a little bit of a, a shout out here because one of my best buds, uh, Joe Simons, um, part of regular foursome, He's a great golfer, been golfing here in the Portland area, you know, since he was six, seven years old. And he's my um, like little guru for these these rules, this etiquette things, where especially that became more important when I started keeping a real handicap a year and a half ago or something where can I move this ball? Is it, you know, are playing win rules? What's, is there a local rule for this thing? Uh, how do I do this? Uh, or even more things that are more minutiae, like when we want to play ready golf, you know, can I be doing this on the green while you're doing that, that kind of thing? Yes, when he, and he'll say he's really gracious about it. Yes, when this is happening, no, when this is happening. But that's because he's my friend and he's part of my, my foursome and he's there as an in, interpersonal thing to tell me, right? What we need to do is hopefully foster these new people that are coming in as uh, in, in a communal way to be able to, to tell them these things, here's how it works, and also make it not scary. Because I think that does drive people away when they don't realize what they did or simply mad at them and some old guy, well, I don't go back there. You know, that keeps happening to you, you know, three, four tracks you are, you know, it's not like this isn't Florida. There's not that many golf courses here, you know, that you can get to that are reasonable to drive to after work, that are within your price range, that you like the course design, that your friend like, but you like too. All those things narrows it down. Most of us probably play, I mean, there aren't, you know, crazy people, probably play five, six tracks maybe. And there are so many you could play, but that's all those things narrow it down. And if you're getting at half of those places, guys being jerks to you or people in the clubhouse being jerks to you or, or whatever it is because uh, you're not tucked in, man, or or whatever, or whatever, or you're, or you're late or they perceive you as being late because you're not early or whatever it is, then you're slowly like, well, well, the only place I can really golf is this one place. And uh, maybe they fall out of, out of love with it. You know, maybe the, the dopamine hit of hitting, hitting a perfect five iron isn't enough to, to go back to kind of being yelled at. So I, I, I love that. And again, I, I think this podcast, uh, you know, making community madness, that's also like a, a time to, to be able to, to talk about those things with new golfers. I think new golfers are showing up to this being like, Hey, I, I can play here. And they're, they need to be able to be, uh, able to be talked to and be able to ask questions like, Hey, if I was doing this and this, what would you do? Cause, cause I'm actually in that, that category, you know, we're, we're all going to, uh, you know, play in a, a tournament here at the end of the month and I've never played tournament golf before. So luckily, even though it's all, you know, handicapped and all that kind of stuff, we're going to be playing together. It's not like flighted out with people in my, my, so I can be like, okay, in tournament rules for real, what do I do here? Because yeah. here's how I normally, even though I've been trying to play by every single rule in the book to keep my handicap as perfect as possible or as honest as possible, I'm still going to ask you guys because you guys know more than me. And so, I, we need to 
foster that going outward. You Let, know? Let's, for example, right here, you know, somebody that's been playing golf and played in different scenarios, there are certain, you know, things that you're never going to come across. Have you ever come across a stake that's uh, red or green with a red paint on top of it? Do you know what that no. means? No. <laughs> so what those are are protected, uh, protected hazards. So you cannot even mm. enter in to look for your ball. Your ball enters in that area, it's gone. You're done. Drop automatically. Because those are protected lands for either frogs, snakes, whatever the fucking animal is in that area. Um, it, the You know, in rules like that are things that somebody that's been playing and has played across different areas that have different rules would know. But somebody that is experiencing that for the first time might have only played for two or three years there's a so let me let me explain this for USGA. There's a rule book that is I think between seventy and eighty pages of rules of golf of rules of just <laughs> not, not a thrilling read. And, and it's like so you, you know you, for that one. Yeah. yeah, you go out and play baseball. You hit a ball far and you run around the bases. If you're tagged in between bases, you're out. If someone catches it before it touches the ground, you're out. <laughs> that, yeah. I mean, your simple rules there. Right. Golf is like your ball could go outside the playing field, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's OB or it's a lost ball or it's unhittable. But it could be depending on the five different stakes that are offered on, on the side of the golf course. And it's just okay. like, what the fuck? Someone, someone entering you know, the realm of golf would never know that so those type of things are are things i think you know us is that's one thing i love you know as a coach and as a guy that runs a municipal podcast i absolutely love playing with new players I, i've talked about it in the past my homies terrell and uh nori and jordan out at Deadstock coffee here in portland i love taking those dudes out they just started learning how to play in the last nine months they, you know, they struggle, you know, making contact, but they are so intrigued on how how to go about learning the game, how to get better. They're, they're so appreciative when I take the time as a guy that hits a ball and it takes them four or five tries to get up to my first ball. They, they're so appreciative that I'm there to, like, take the time to, to teach them and give them little hints and tricks and all of that because – there's an, unfortunately not a lot of people like that within the golf industry and a, not a lot of, you know, under, you know, six handicaps that are going to take that time because they want to go out and play with their buddies that are at the same level as them. So I think there's just a lot of change that needs to happen in golf. People need to realize we need to usher these new golfers in because if we lose them, the golf industry ain't going to, ain't going to stick around. And, I saw it in the Bay Area. We lost 20, 30% of our courses between 2006 and 2012. And we've lost a bunch here in Portland since I moved, I've moved here. You know, one of my favorite golf courses of all time is Broadmoor. Did either one of you guys get to play Broadmoor before yeah. it closed? Yeah, I played it as a, I played it as a kid. Yeah, no, I, I didn't get to, but uh, my buddy Joe tells me all about it. it. In my opinion, the best golf course that we had in Portland. It was the best set of greens, always manicured fairways. It was it crossed a river 
like six times on the golf course. So you had to keep going back and forth over this river. The first hole was like a downhill 304 yard par four. And it was like super drivable green. It was just like super fun golf course. There's no driving range, tiny ass little putting green, nowhere to chip. But you just went out there, got out of your car, strapped your bag to a fucking golf cart, and you went out and played. Pro shop. (laughs) I loved it. Classic Portland, Portland like public golf. Totally, yeah, very much so. Like OG Portland public golf too, because it's it's changed. I mean, like you know, you could drive up and down Gleason or whatever. You're gonna see, you know, you're gonna see some of the courses, but like Broadmoor, um, Claremont. obviously you mentioned it glendevere west and east um east more like those are like the staples rose city those are all the staples of portland golf and even as a kid like my dad golfed quite a bit when i was especially when i was a, a little kid um you know and he was at one of those spots probably three or four times a week you know and like the fact that now here we are 20 30 years later um and we still have we still do have quite a few of the of the great courses in in like the portland area but like there is that question mark like i know that oregon city golf club is one of the ones that i know is on the verge of shutting down sandalee is another one that's shutting down greenly greenly yep greenly and um i forget the one that is next to sandalee uh you're thinking no sandalee is the one next to cole creek yeah, yeah. So yeah, Sandalee is the one that's gonna be sold for, for them to now. keep Cold Cold Creek. Yeah, yeah. Because they own both of those. Yep. Yeah, but there, there's just it's endless stories of these courses going up for sale or just disappearing or mm-hmm. just kind of just getting dilapidated and not being able to be taken care of. And and it's it's sad. Um, but then I think we're also seeing those eight to 10 core courses that we do have in the Portland area being heavily taken care of. You know, we've got our forest Hills and our pumpkin Ridge and our, in our reserve. And like you just stated, all of those um, Muni tracks that we have with Glendivere and, you know, Eastmoreland and all of those. And then of course, Wildwood. And I've heard great things of what they've done with Gresham. Yeah. Um, some people have told me because I played Gresham two or three years ago and it was not a good track. It was in very, very poor shape. And uh, our boy Eric, who is the, uh, you know, neighborhood golf academy out here in Portland, he, he says he is absolutely in love with Gresham. He thinks it's one of the better tracks that most people don't give a lot of love with or two. So, you know, and then down by you, we've got, you know, Langdon and Stone Creek, which are always, you know, in impeccable shape as well. So it's just far, far and in between. It's, it's good or bad in Portland. Yeah. We don't have just those like mediocre tracks. And to be honest, they're also getting a little bit more pricey. Yeah. We, you know, we were just having this conversation uh, before this podcast. I played... 13 holes or whatever with our buddy Stotts at Rose City which is the oldest golf course in Portland maybe is it is the oldest golf course in Oregon 
or is it just Portland? I forget. Um, but. So there's going to be like 50 <laughs> golf courses claiming that. But right, yeah, yeah. It's, it's one of the oldest in Portland because some of the private courses also claim that. I think Waverly okay. also well, claims I that. I think Gearheart technically is the oldest. Oh, that's true. That's, that's, that's probably true. That's like yeah. a historical yeah. like fact, I'm pretty sure. But you could, you I, could think, I think you're right. But in any case, you know, it. Rose City, for people who aren't from here, is it was an emergency airfield at times uh, <laughs> during <laughs> – various wars and uh it's i mean it's very interesting because it it's run by the city it has a very city feel to it the mm-hmm. greens were i mean like putting in molasses today uh i love about 70 percent of it and i absolutely want to burn 30 percent into the ground and never ever play it again uh which classic muni course some, sometimes some yeah. holes just, just get you like i don't want to play this hole ever again it's just like it's got so much character and it doesn't have a driving range. What it has is a hill that you can hit balls off of if you want to either not go get them or walk down there yourself. Uh, <laughs> and it's just, it, but it's like it's being taken care of. But also, like that place is way too expensive for what it is. Yeah. It's like you know, prime time weekend rounds are forty nine to fifty five dollars, and it is a thirty eight dollar track. Are you serious? Fifty bucks out there now? Uh, dude. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> dude, we played 26 for a Twilight 9 on a Thursday. It like that's too expensive, dude. That's 18 bucks. I mean, literally it's $17 at Glenny to do the same thing. And Glenny is way nicer than Rose well, City. Even even Killarney West, it's 17 bucks to go anytime to play there for 9. Right, they don't they don't change the rate, which is it's interesting that they haven't maybe maybe these places are just taking advantage of of the fact that golf is just in crazy demand right now like they can sell at tea times whenever they want um but you're right it's a really when you look at it as a whole chris it, you're, you're looking at things that don't quite add up because they're always talking about shutting down courses or paving over east moreland to make housing or or whatever you know shutting down all the muni courses and there's only going to be pumpkin ridge left or whatever uh or but then you're looking at it and you're like you go to to um, one of these places that does have a driving range, even on on a Friday, and it's like jam packed. People are. I remember all this last summer, people were waiting, waiting for the driving range at Glendevere, waiting, standing. I mean, sometimes three deep. Just like, <laughs> like, are you playing? No, I just came here to practice, and I'm not going to go home because I'm already out of my car. I mean, it's like it's crazy, but that that disparity doesn't quite track, and it leads for a really interesting part of this subculture that we have going on here. Yeah, and and I think the big big thing I've noticed in in, in that too is you've seen some courses take that money and and implement it into the course and we have seen improvements and and i'll always be the first person to give ryan props out at wildwood that course is always in pristine shape you know it's in great shape and he he's told me personally that yeah he's had to raise the rates and some people that have been coming there for 30 years are upset because they're not getting out for 28 bucks 30 bucks to play fucking 18 holes you know, it's now 38, 47, depending on the time that you go. And the thing is, I would say they might have some of the best rolling greens in, in the entire, you know, greater Portland area. Yeah. And they don't roll crazy fast. They don't roll slow. They roll true. And the ball falls where it's supposed to. 
it, it's just a nice, you know, surface to play on. And they're consistent and, through every single hole. Yeah, and it's consistent through every hole, which, again, we can't say too much about Rose City, and for them to charge that price is fucking astronomical. And, again, I think we all have a place in our heart for Rose City. Right. It's, like you said, one of the oldest tracks in Portland. It's got that charm, that feel. But we just talked with Tom Coyne about that charm and feel, and in the excuses people make for those type of tracks that are in your town. When we talked, um, you know, in again, Tom Coyne's pod is going to come on after this. So it's a little hint. You guys will get a little uh, preview uh, coming into that. But we talked with him a little bit about Sharp Park in, in San Francisco and how the course, we just make fucking excuses for that that track like everybody that grew up in in the area and played sharp park growing up we we make excuses for it because an alistair mckenzie course and if you know anything about golf course architecture alistair mckenzie is up there if not on the the mount rushmore of golf course architects and he i mean if you guys don't know he designed augusta um he designed pasa tiempo um he i mean his his work is across he designed some of the best courses out in uh, australia on the sand belt and i so in the 50s they basically had a flood that lo- they lost about half of the holes i think it was 40s or 50s and they rebuilt those holes on the other side of the street and over time they've buried bunkers and they've shrunk the greens and they've changed all of these things and not kept this place up it's ran by the parks of san francisco mm. and the parks department has put all this fucking money into tpc harding park which you should play it if you're in the city but you'll you'll understand my take on it it's it's one of the most boring tracks i've ever played in my entire life um it's just everything straightforward in front of you there's nothing nothing exciting about it whatsoever they put all this money in there because pga comes in they want to partner with them and create a championship style course in the city of san francisco so they've been putting all this money and they've kind of left lincoln and sharp to the wayside and i kind of feel like we kind of have that with portland here um kind of what i was wrapping back around to in Whereas East Moreland has raised their rates, uh, Heron has raised their rates, and charges absurd money for carts if you're going to ride. I mean, I think they're charging like fourteen dollars a fucking person. Seventeen. Seventeen dollars no. a person. Yeah, that is per that rider. is uh, that is Seattle prices. Yeah, which is where I started playing golf again. That is ridiculous. Yeah. And Se- Seattle, you're all like, I got the GPS up there and everything. Come on. But all this money that they're charging, and we're not seeing this implemented into the courses. And so there are public tracks that are privately owned that are, you know, Stone Creek is one of them. You're really seeing the money implemented out there. Langdon Farms has done incredible work on that golf course to get it to where it is. I'm not going to say Langdon is my absolute favorite designed track in Portland. But the conditions, in my opinion, are unmatched. They're they're up there with 
the reserve and with pumpkin on condition wise out there mm. and you're, you're seeing those privately owned tracks putting their money in that are publicly accessible but privately owned where our city is raking in this fucking money and we're not seeing it put back into the parks and implementing them into the golf course. Right. And it, it looks weird from a business perspective because you know that with this podcast or matchstick or anything else you do, you're you're there trying to provide a service. You're, you're trying to provide something that people love, that they connect with, that they're going to come back to. It doesn't matter what it is, whether it's you know, playing another podcast or coming back, buying the new release of markers or saying, look, I love how this golf course is put together. People are nice. The design is interesting. The greens were in great shape. I'm coming back here again. There's a reason people have home courses, right? Because that's yeah. the one, not just the one that's close to you. Some, my home course is not the closest course to me. It's, it's not the farthest one away. It's about medium distance. But it's because it's the one that all of those things add up for me. So, and that's just basic business and basic, you know, running a golf course. It's really weird that we don't have that, especially when you have examples like Stone and Langdon or Pumpkin. Say, look, people come out here for a reason. There's a reason people pay that money. I mean, we were just at Media right. Madness the other day, and one of the guys there, David, was saying, I love Langdon. I could play there year round. It drains even better than Stone Creek, which, you know, if you're listening to this podcast, you're not from Oregon. The whole thing in Portland is that you could play Stone and, you know, after five inches of rain and, you know, you wouldn't have a plugged ball. That was That's the whole thing, you know. And they said, you know, Dave was saying, I love Langdon because it's even better than that. And yep. there's a reason people get into these things and you can just run with them. So why are we not seeing it managed that way? I mean, it could just be the, the function of it being part of the park service or whatever, but um, I gotta, it would be nice. I got a note on that. I know. So huge shout out to Stone Creek Golf Course. I mean, it is a it is a county owned property, which I love to support public tracks that are privately owned because I just feel cool. like you know you're supporting a small business technically um but still for stone creek and and i don't know the other ones off the top of my head that are all county owned but you know managed by a private company it's really about the management because um gordon tolbert he's one of the owners for management company that runs stone creek um also very just close like family figure in my life and he we've had like in-depth conversations because i don't know if he, either of you guys have ever been out to eagles landing yeah it's a little car three track yeah yeah it's terrible the conditions are atrocious like the, it's the it's it's terrible it's just terrible like it's a it's a cool it's such a cool spot like such a cool piece of property they got a just, little putt putt course oh my it's like so cool they have so many cool little things but it's just so poorly maintained that nope like it was burnt out in march like march it's like still yeah. raining and it's still burnt out like they're just like they don't seed it or sand it or anything anyways i went and played there with gordon just a casual little round and he's a pga pro too and we're getting around there and 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 the whole time he's just kind of telling me the backstory because stone creek was actually supposed to the management company was supposed to get the, the contract for eagles landing as well but then there was just some politics involved and it never all never ended up working out um but you look at stone creek and stone creek is just this incredible place and as they've grown as the popularity for stone creek has developed all they've done is just basically strong arm the county into pouring it back into the the course because they've seen the benefit of like hey we take good care of this place they do so many tournaments out there. They do so many events that bring in a lot of revenue for the county and also for the management company. 
And the ability to do that is based on the conditions of the golf course and the entire staff that you show up to experience, right? Like you can go to their, their driving range and you're going to hit off mats half the time, but then you'll also hit off grass half the time. You're going to go to their, you know, their short game practice area and it's nice. The bunkers are raked and the, you know, the greens are rolling quick, just like the rest of the course. Like you go to their putting green and it's nice. Everything is in pristine condition. Like you just look at the the cuts on the fairways. Everything is nice. They just care about what they're doing and they have a good staff and a good management team. And I think ultimately like Dane, to your point, like that's what it, that's what really makes it what it is. It's, do you actually care about your products? Do you care about what you're putting into it? Cause if you don't, it's the proof is in the pudding, especially with a lot of these other courses. Yeah. Can can I can I point out something that may actually be a win coming up that we may have to wait for this. Yeah. But so my uh, my pro is out at Lake Oswego Public Golf Course, which is a par three. You're in. 18, 18 hole. <laughs> yeah. My, my Myra Morgan. Shout out to Myra. Um, he it's a, it's a par three 18 hole course. Uh, it's it was built ages ago it's on the it built on the side of a hill in lake oswego and it's it's so old I actually have a family connection there my uh father-in-law used to be a starter there when they used to live out there and so he knows that course you know, like back of his hand that kind of thing but when it was built it wasn't built with any drainage none and and the bottom of of that course goes down a hill into a bowl within the, then the neighborhood on the other side of the road goes back up and so half the hole i mean you play in august and plugged in like six inches of mud it's insane and they do they they have done a real i played that track a million times they do a really good job of trying to make it as nice as the grounds possibly can be and they've been working for a few years to try to be able to bring some some other redesign there and the city of lake oswego has finally said yes it went through all the you know the city council meetings and all that kind of stuff now they have if you walk into the clubhouse there it's going to be a community center with i think a pool and maybe tennis or something and then uh they're changing it into a nine hole executive course so you'll be able to get out your driver they're going to put in all this um you know drainage thank god and it's going to be different and i'm hoping with the same type of uh, you know day-to-day management the people who actually take care of it and understand it tom the guy who runs it hopefully he'll still be there and everything i'm really excited for that i think that's going to be a real win for Portland because that could become a little track that's like, hey, do you want to drive out to Lake O real quick? It's 30 minutes away. Let's just get in, the, in a niner there. And that place already has kind of the stuff we were talking about earlier. I mean, there are people there who play there every day, you know, from little old ladies to teenagers from the neighborhood who just walk around with like four clubs, you know? It's like that, that place is literally – it's like a little it's, – it's, it's a city-run thing for people of that city, and it's going to get – really good really really soon i think and i'm i'm really excited for that that's like a perfect little hopefully a little capsule of an example that could, could go really well yeah and and that's something i think we we've talked about too um with uh tron from no laying up was just about the cities and municipalities getting involved in understanding what uh public golf is because I think that's a misunderstanding to a lot of people um, that might be involved in politics and in city planning is they don't they they look at golf courses as kind of its own niche and kind of an elitist type thing where only a certain amount of people can be involved in there. And when you see like oh, kind of add it add the clubhouse as a community based hub 
that's going to have a pool in tennis and some added bonuses to include the rest of the community and involve them within the golf course it allows them to kind of then also go, yeah, but we're also going to spend a whole shit ton of money and redo this and do an executive course. Thanks. And then kind of ask for, you know, on the back end. And that's, that's what you need to do because people need to understand this isn't, this is for the entire community. It's for everybody. You know, like that's the one thing I love about Glendivere. They have a trail that walks around the entire, you know, part of Glendivere and it's built so well that it really doesn't interfere with the actual course. And so you can park on the backside, literally walk right onto the golf course, onto the trail uh, on the East side and just start walking the trail around the golf course. So Glendivere feels like it's incorporated into the community. And I think that's what, that's what I think Portland has done a fucking poor job of is telling us and showing the communities like, yo, this is part of parks and rec. This is for everybody. Like this is just as important as Tabor park. This is just as important as the fucking Rose garden. Like you need to understand that. Which I think that's actually the, I have some, some friends who moved over by Rose city and that's one of their complaints. So, you know, uh, oh, hey, we go to Glendivere and run around the track, but now we live on, I don't know, next to hole 14 or 15, and you can run through the middle of Rose City, but you can't run around it. And I've, and they, they're not golfers, but I, I am. I could map a running trail around that place in two seconds. You know, there's already sort of a weird path that goes along that north end, you know, that's like up up on that hill. You can, you can put a path there easily, there, or there's that whole um, unused fairway mm-hmm. on the back nine that isn't anything. Put something, you know, you can totally and make it because that's the thing is people get upset, especially when it is owned by the city. It's part of Parks and Rec, that it's not inclusive, even if it's not expensive or or, or you, you don't have to wear a collar and you, or you don't have to wear shoes. There's, it still needs to be more inclusive to the community as we move forward in 2021 for these municipal tracks well and even so where they have that what we call the driving range at rose city that (laughs) downhill you know little area you could put a stage at the bottom of that and you could do concerts on friday nights i mean you could put a a little a little stage right on that back porch of the of the clubhouse where everybody sits in those lounge chairs right by the green and you could do like pop somebody up with a guitar and and do some shows there. Just implement things into the the fabric of what it already is as a golf course, and figure things out to include the community because we can't lose these places. We want to see them thrive, and I think that's a hindrance of why we don't see them improve because nobody in Portland is going to vote yes on a bill to spend half a million fucking dollars on renovating some of these courses. If they think it's just going to be for this niche fucking community that plays golf. Yes, totally. That's you're totally right. You're totally right. And it's, yeah, again, especially here in Portland where people, they may not be golfers, so they, they don't think it's, it's valuable. And to a certain extent, they are right because a place like Glendivere does have added value to the community or Lake O. That's where the new community center is going to be. If it's part of the city and run by the city and you're not planning to sell it off or you're not planning to have it be like stone and be like, okay, this is sort of like a, 
semi um you know private club or whatever or pr- privately ran club then make it part of the city you, you got to go one one direction or the other yep and even stone creek they've got a nice nice walking trail around there that there's people always yeah. walking around that walking trail like my i've walked our our dog around that trail countless times and spent a lot of time out there and it's just it draws you in because it's not only a golf course but it's a beautiful walk and it's a beautiful piece of property and there's so many properties that the freaking county and cities own it's like guys what are we doing you know like well that's the thing people want to walk around a golf even people who aren't do. golfers they want to walk around a golf course it's a beautiful, beautiful look property at how, it's manicured pro- it's a it's a park right it it's a, a park, park. Yeah. It is it's a manicured park, park. It's like even though you don't have to, you don't get to throw a frisbee in the middle of it. You still want to. I mean, what do most people do at a, especially our age, do at a park? Anyways, they go for they go for walks with their dogs. So like, put a trail around it, man. Make it for more people. Yep. I mean, and that that's as simple as it is. Is figure out ways to implement other things to allow access to anybody that are non golfers onto these properties if they're going to be operated and ran by the city. Or yeah. any municipality. It could be a county, a city, you know, whatever. State ran. I, I don't care. It just needs to be implemented into the community. So, Well, thinking about these two things together, I, I wonder if more people coming to be like on these courses are going to bring a fresh perspective, bring more uh, support to these local courses and say, Hey, no, I think this is worth it. We got to do this and also bring fresh ideas to their constituents, you know, in the city or city councilors, whatever it is and say, Hey, uh, actually I started golfing last year. I never thought I'd be a golf person. It's really valuable for this reason. I think you should vote for this bill or allocate this money here and do that. That may, those two things may actually, you know, work in some kind of harmony together. No, and everybody absolutely. knows a golfer. Yeah, yeah, everybody and, knows a golfer. Yeah, and I think it's just putting those two things together and really, you know, expressing that to the community in a whole and and having that understanding. Because, like we we've talked on the pod many many times about how St Andrews, one of the most famous golf courses of all times, closes on Sundays and people have picnics in the middle of the fairway. It, it's the most famous golf course in the entire world other than Augusta National. And people are fucking having picnics with their dogs in the middle of the fairway on Sundays because it's in the middle of the city and it's ran and operated by the city of St. Andrews. I mean, there's a trust that runs it, but it is implemented into the city and, and treated with its respect by the citizens of that city. So... that's what I think is the issue with America in general period with any type of golf is we just have this mindset of elitist uh, and like elitism when it comes to golf in general. And once our generation in the implements of what we were talking about with this generation of younger golfers coming in, that's changing the mindset of that coming out wearing fucking hoodies and basketball shorts and, and, you know, playing loud music and enjoying themselves and knowing it's a fucking game and not a elitist sport or endeavor that only a certain level of, of people can do. It's, you know, I, th- I think those barriers will slowly get broken down and we'll start seeing those changes implemented, hopefully. This podcast got me jacked up. When I'm done, I'm emailing my city councilor right now. 
<laughs> hey, we, we, got, we got a lot of problems in Portland when it comes to when it comes to that shit. I think there's a there's a there's something to be said about that though. Like on a real note, Dane, like I think there's not I, I don't feel like there's a lot of conversation, even on the golf course, about some of these places that we're playing, you know, and about what honestly if a if a hungry and fired enough fired up enough group of golfers got together, what kind of changes that could be made? You know what I mean? Like these are all these are all county and, and city dollars that all of us as golfers are paying by living in this city. So like we have we do have a say over what, what happens with these courses. We do have, you know, a voice. And I think, you know, I'm not I'm not sure. I Chris, I would definitely, you know, lean on you for this, but is there any sort of community of municipal golfers that are linked up to kind of take on some of these things or, or, or try to call for some changes or like actually have some sort of unified voice to see some change in their cities and at their, you know, their local communities. So that's the biggest issue is the fucking old man golf that I talk about all the time that I fucking hate that needs to die and go, go away from this game. Those are the men running these courses that ha- are on the board of trustees for these golf courses and aren't taking the proper, you know, steps to start reaching out and making statements enough to the bigger bodies to kind of get those things implemented. Where if guys got onto the men's club in the board of directors and things like that at Rose city and at East Moreland and pushed those guys out and really pushed to implement a lot of these changes. And then also got together with civic leaders to try to get those changes implemented. We're not going to really see them. So I, and that's, you know, I, I can say that's on me as well. I talk a big fucking game. I talk shit all the time about these courses, not not getting these implementations and these improvements and stuff. And I'm not going out there joining these boards or doing anything. I'm getting on my fucking podcast, jumping on my soapbox, talking shit. So, you know, it, it, it definitely starts with us. And I, I think at one point, there might be a time in my life where I'm going to do that. You guys see the amount of effort I have put into kind of invigorate the youth community in golf here in Portland with the events and stuff that I'm doing out here and running the RGC of Portland, doing things on municipals, you know, and teaming up with guys like you guys to be able to do a lot of these fun things to really get the community invigorated. I think the next step is just figuring out, you know, further in our lives, how if we're going to be in this community forever i think we need to you know take a stand and step into some of these things and figure out what we can do at that level to to kind of help out there because i love these tracks i love east moreland i love rose city i want to see them better and in rose city has made a few steps so if you have noticed since you've been out there some of the greens have been redone um there was some temporary stuff they did hire dan hickson to come out there and redo the greens the only issue i have is they're not they're not keeping them to the standards of what they need to be after they've changed these you know the greens he's done 
I see the changes. I see the undulations. I see how much better they look, but they're still rolling fucking slow as shit. Like, I, I don't understand why they can't roll these greens or mow them more frequently because, I mean, you go out there and they're rolling like sixes and sevens. They're fucking, it's right. so slow out there. Dude, my, uh, I have not played a track all year where my basic tempo for like my distance in my tempo was not enough to get my distance forward until today. It, I, tonight I was playing Rose and it was like, oh my God, I have to hit this ball as opposed to letting my pendulum do the work. It was yeah. so annoying. But, you know, more seriously, I, I, have to, I have to pick up on this because, um, you know, we may really be onto something here because I know that there's one city councilor in specific that made a mention that got golfers up in arms here. Uh, it must have been before the pandemic, before everything sort of popped off and made, you know, shutting down a golf course uh, not a popular decision because it was making money. But um, there was one city councilor here in Portland that was basically suggesting that we shut down East Moreland uh, and turn it into housing. And, but, you know, what I wanted, I wondered. When I saw that, yeah. I mean, obviously, obviously, some people were very like, "Yes, I hate golf, and I want to shut this place down I mean, and screw that it." That guy needs to be murdered. Uh, it, yeah, it's uh... <laughs> probably would be if, if that actually came to be. Like, people are crazy out here with golf, especially for Eastmo. So, like, Eastmo Royals, oof, I would not want to play with those guys. And, and then, and then, of course, golfers were like, "Oh my god, this is a terrible idea. This is so stupid." Um, and I, I really wonder what that counselor's bases right what is her constituency what is her understanding because i get the impression that she's not a golfer um and i really wonder you know when you are a politician uh, in a perfect world you're, you're supposed to be hearing for your constituency and, and what it's like and i wonder what side she was hearing on the pro golf side on the pro east Moreland side and what i worry about is if we are riding this covid wave and this keeps going and people hang on and, and, but who knows what this trail is, right? Um, Cause we've all read the stats about what the golf was happening in the golf industry. And we think that's probably not going to go away probably because this thing is still here and people still want to be outside. <laughs> so that's being cooped up in, inside for two years and only being able to golf. I think it's going to continue. Like I still want to keep golfing because it's something to do outside. And I was still inside for too long. So I think we still have a, a wave here to ride. We're still in the crest. But if that goes away and places like East Moreland aren't making money hand over fist, and that could come up again in three or four years, tear it down, put apartment buildings. How do we give that person who wants to do that and lead that charge, uh, you know, a real to, to show our voice. I think that really neat may need to be a real thing that we think about as people here in Portland, a place with a lot of municipal tracks that are our staples, but also in other cities where people have the same thing. You're listening to this podcast. Maybe we need to form, you know, nothing crazy, but just like, Hey, we're their constituency. I want to give you my opinion on it. And we're not these old crusty idiots who are on these boards who were jerks and making it terrible. And who wants to interact with this guy anyways, you know, right. so that's probably put them off further. Yeah. Right. No, like, think, political action for golf. That's why yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I think I think we hit that. that nail on the head for sure with that. So one thing before we end today, I want to ask you guys your favorite tracks in greater Portland area. So that what I consider greater greater Portland area is within a 60 mile radius. So that could be almost to Mount Hood down to Salem 
and just a little bit outside into Washington. I, I consider that kind of the entity of, of Portland golf. And then your favorite track anywhere you've played. I'm going to start with you, Dane. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, this is really tough because you, you widened is how far away is Elk Ridge? I literally, <laughs> no, no, that works. <laughs> no, Elk Ridge. Like on the edge of the borderline. <laughs> so yeah. I, would say, I would say Elk Ridge because when you get that place on a good day, not only is it great golf, which it always is. It drains well. It plays well. All that. It's, it's fun in the winter, you know, but the views. It's like when you see those Instagram photos of like or videos of Austria and or Switzerland and everything around you in this bowl of mountains that place is so stunningly beautiful and i just i just love that place the clubhouse is a trip everybody there is from the gorge in a very specific way um it's great i love that <laughs> um, my, my runner up there would be stone obviously but if we're if i can reach over to elk ridge i'm gonna take elk ridge my um if i'm gonna say uh that i've plays it was it played in oregon um or played no, so it, far because anywhere anywhere oh, in God. the world see i haven't played that many golf courses because i've really only started playing again in 2016 um it, i would typically i say rope rider which is in Suncadia, uh, which is uh, central Washington. It, it's a t- kind of a tie between Rope Rider and Man. I had an ex- an experience at Gearheart this this summer that was just like, oh my god, it was so beautiful. But Rope Rider, Rope Rider is the course that got me back into golf. It's the one where I, I was on a uh, a trip with a bunch of people, and the guys went out to play golf, the girls went out to do other stuff, you go go to the lake or whatever. And I wasn't golfing at the time; I hadn't golfed in some time. I was like, "Well, obviously, I'm going with the guys. I'll just ride in the cart." And two or three holes go by, and I go, "Hey, hey, hey, hey uh, g- g- give me a club. Let me hit a ball." And it was it was gone from then. I, you know, I'm losing all these guys' balls. I'm I'm just doing <laughs> whatever. I had a great time. Suncadia is just so beautiful the house like the houses there are huge and not gaudy or disgusting the architecture is like my central oregon central washington is really one of my favorite places in the world it it got me back into golf i have to give props to rope rider for for being it so yeah those those are my two choices I like that. Those are good. I mean, I feel like I can't follow up by by like even giving your, your top two Oregon, Greater Portland, like in even reverse order. Um, honestly, one of my and, and I don't know why if it, if it was like I went back to Langdon Farms after I got back from Bandon, and it was it's been since I've been back from Bandon, it's been my favorite course to play. Um, and I don't know if it's because it just reminds me a little bit of Bandon and just some of the layout and stuff. And, and it has a very like linksy style feel to it. Or like you dropped this new term on me today, Chris, prairie style, um, prairie style golf. Langdon farms is really, is really a sweet track. And I've, I've fallen, I've fallen kind of in love with that course in some weird ways, but I think, I mean, to your point, Dane, like Elk Ridge, man, like the views out there are insane. The course is always in great condition. I like the, the second time I played it, um, and the last time I played it was with Big Chris for the. I think that was the first time we ever played together. Yeah, and um, I had like four birdies in the row in a row on the front nine. I was just like rolling. So like Elk Ridge, like just went up way high on my list of like I love this place. Um, so I honestly, I'm gonna have to say like 
Langdon and Elkridge, and then Stone Creek is right there with those three for sure. Um, shout out to Wildwood. Wildwood is one of my favorite tracks as far as like fun, like Pacific Northwest style, like you said earlier, Chris, golf. Like it's just, it's different, but the conditions are insane. Like crispy pure out there. Um, Ryan, Aaron, like they do a phenomenal job running that place. The vibes are always good. Love Wildwood too, but as far as like my favorite tracks, yeah, definitely those, those two. And then uh, Stone Creek is a close third. Okay, I've I've been to Band and Dunes, so I don't feel like I could even talk about another golf course. Um, hey, that's fine. Band is a, a good job. <laughs> there's a lot to choose from at Band and. Uh, I played. I've only played Band and Dunes, um, Sheep Ranch, Old McDonald, and the Preserve. Um, and out of those, like not even a question in my mind, my favorite track was Old Mac um it was just somebody said time capsule earlier i felt like i was transported to a different time when i walked out to to old mac like there's just something so oh, i have goosebumps thinking about it like it's so raw like the green like the green complexes were so just humongous and grand and like th there's just this this magnificence um of the course and the design and the, and like the, how many different shots that you're going to hit throughout the course of your round and the blind tee shot on number two and like the punch bowl on 18. Like it's just, there's just unlimited holes that just leave you. Like you have to like, when you're walking off the green on pretty much every hole at Old Mac, I mean, pretty much anywhere in Bandon, but especially Old Mac, you walk off any green and you're always turning back to look you're always turning back to look like, man, what was that? Like, what did I just go through? Um, but it's like, it's spiritual and it's challenging, but it's like, it's also really rewarding because the greens are huge. So you can pretty much always hit the greens out there. Um, but I don't know, man, like that it's, it's, I haven't played a ton of golf courses to your point, Dan, like I haven't played a ton of golf courses yet. I'm new to the game. Um, but I've had the, the opportunity to go to Bandon and old McDonald at Bandon Dunes golf resort is hands down my favorite golf course I've ever played. Chris, are you going to uh, give uh, us ours? Yeah. Yeah. Yours? yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so my favorite track in, in Portland and JP has a little bit uh, of a, his own take on it since he played it for the first time the other day. But mine, since I've played it, I've only gotten to play it the one time. I don't know if I can put this at the best. So I'll, I'll say my second first. So my fa my second favorite layout is East Moreland. Um, East Moreland is just, I absolutely love it. A lot of people don't like the back nine at East Moreland. I think it's just a juxtaposition when you go from a wide open front to just a back nine that beats the living fucking shit out of you. Yeah. Um, I just think there's I force some refuses holes. to play it. Yeah, and there's so I don't many, care, but... Yeah, there's so many people that hate it, but I think it's just such a great, you know, two separate different courses in my mind out there. But I think Pumpkin Ridge um, Ghost is probably my favorite track in Portland. I just... I, I love how deep it can go how many different tea boxes there are available out there the conditions the the parkland style all the way out to what i call prairie style um golf and it's it's just got, gives you a little bit of everything out there and the green complexes are very readable um large 
accepting for approach shots. I just, I really like that place. And then outside, oh man, that's a tough question for me because I've, I'm not going to lie. My, my number's getting up to like 600 courses that I've played in my life. Um, Insane. Oh, it, to be honest, it, it might be, if I could pick a course that I could play every single day in my life, it might be soul park where we're going to hold MGA down in, um, down in Ojai, California. It, it's just, I mean, it's just, so good it's the price point is fantastic the conditions are good gil hance went out there and redid every single green on the course and just made them gil hance and it's 30 dollars to fucking play this course and it's 30 dollars to play a gil hance renovated golf course wow it, it's 42 dollars with a cart any time of the week <laughs> Seven, seven, 19, seven days a week. Dude, 19 we're, we're bucks for Twilight. Boys. Yeah. yeah. And, and, then, and then you got Rustic Canyon, which is 30 miles south of of that. And if you don't know Rustic Canyon, when we when we go down for MGA, I think uh, you guys and Brian will have to go down early with me and we'll have to get a round in uh, on Wednesday or Same Thursday much. morning and play Rustic because – if you if you think Band and Dunes courses are cool, wait until you see fucking Rustic Canyon. This place this place looks like a, a moonscape. It, it's just it wow. it's in a canyon in um, Thousand Oaks, California. It's separated from anything else. It each nine goes completely straight out on either side of the property and comes wrapping back in. Um it's just it's absurd there's a 520 yard par five i mean you guys could listen to our episode we did on it but 520 yard par five into the wind if you play in the afternoon 20 30 mile an hour winds in your face coming through the canyon and i hit driver driver three wood (laughs) yeah it's just it's 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 fun it's just absurd and there's 90 yard par threes that are just going to beat the shit out of you. And like, it's a great course. So, you know, I, I think when, when we go down for the MGA and you guys come down for that, we'll go down early and we'll play around at rustic and then we'll get, you'll get three, four rounds in it sold for the, for the invitational. So it'll be a good time. Oh yeah. Time for that. You guys, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Great convo. Um, and again, give JP a follow, suck my par on Instagram. Please give Dane uh, a follow and also check out the website at uh, matchstickgolf.com. Follow him on Instagram, matchstickgolf as well. Please check out his ball markers. They, they are some of the best in, in the biz. And I can't stress enough how much we appreciate you being one of our title sponsors for, for the podcast as well. It's just, wonderful partnership and can't wait to see what what comes from here so thank you guys appreciate you thanks chris appreciate you bro